Dr. Michael Roizen. Dr. Michael Roizen. You, the Owner's Manual Radio Show. You're listening to You, the Owner's Manual Radio Podcast on Radio MD, iHeart, or wherever you download us from. Thank you for doing that. The bees are always great guests, and we have another one for you today. Dr. Alyssa Apple, and by her website is Alyssa Apple, E-P-E-L dot com. And there's a lot of material more than on the book just there. She's professor and vice chair in the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences at the University of California, San Francisco. I first ran into her um, when I got to interview her and Elizabeth Blackburn, um, who wrote the book, The Telomere Effect. And they had done really magnificent work on understanding what stress does to aging, longevity, and the change which genes are on or not. So this book is really looking at how do we take that knowledge that stress affects our genes and our longevity and which of our genes are functioning or not to the point of changing it in a seven-day regimen that helps you build a habit uh, to more joy and ease. It's called the Stress Prescription, Seven Days to More Joy and Ease. And it's really a really, how do I say this? It is so easy to read and write and to read and write a summary of and uh, has these practical tips in it, such as don't run, roar, and create a stress shield and troubleshooting. There are these practical things uh, in each day, um, such as um, hit it. Um, So I love the fact that you have in these practical parts, Alyssa, the, um, what I would call the, the, uh, tip to action or an action tip for people to do daily to get to make this a habit. So let's first uh, come back to why, why did you decide to write it? Thank you so much, Michael, for the lovely introduction and context setting. And I would say that you were one of my big influences way back when you developed real age. The phenomenal point that our chronological age is not our biological age. That led me to be even more persistent and focused in my search for wanting to measure and understand biological age long before we are aged and how we can both measure that and really understand lifestyle and mindset and emotions, the drivers, the potential drivers of speeding up or slowing down aging. So thank you for real age. We still, <laughs> we still use that and talk about that. That's so nice. Thank you. Um, we, we didn't arrange this love fest in advance. This is uh, spontaneous, but this is a great book. So I really do love it. So keep going. Why did you decide to write it? We are way too stressed as a society, it's, it's absurd and ridiculous. The, la- the last APA survey in Amer- of stress in America showed that 46% of all adults surveyed 
felt overwhelmed by stress. And you know what that means medically. More than I will say most MDs, it's a medical issue. It is the precursor to not just faster aging, but the wear, wear and tear on all of our systems, leading to hypertension, early diseases, and extreme cases, a contributor to early mortality. So we've been doing all these studies with caregivers and uh, people exposed to trauma with PTSD symptoms. We know that these extreme long-term states of stress create havoc on our biology. And the question is, what can we do about it right now, here and now? So I love that you pointed to um, for HIT, for example, because we already know exercise is good for us. But when we understand the underlying science that it's not just aerobic fitness, it's stress fitness, it's, it's tuning up our nervous system so we're more stress resilient, that helps people People who want to understand the why behind things, it helps motivate them. It helps them understand their whole mind-body complex. And so I take it you wrote this to help people actually change their behavior so that stress didn't affect them so much. I'm going to very rarely do I do I want to contribute a, a statement, but just to give some more context to what you're saying, when uh, at Carnegie Mellon, the perceived stress scale was developed, the average was 12.1 for men and 13.7 for women. Higher is more stress. Above 19 was associated with development of chronic disease five years later. When we looked at the perceived stress scale in uh, 2011 in the United States in three different cities and then went to Canada, China, France, and the rest of the world, um, the average in no country was less than 19. So in just uh, literally 30 years from 79 to 83 when the perceived stress scale was developed, so this book is really important because it tells you, at least in my mind, it goes through a set of techniques to help you um, essentially manage stress so that you're not in that high level of perceived stress. Do you think we have any better measure of stress for the individual than how they perceive it? Are any of the tests, that is, are any of the people think of the, the um, variation in heart rate or in vocal cord uh, frequency as measures of stress, are there anything better than that that people can do? Or it, what you go through is such a good regimen on seven days, I want to get into that. Um, so, um, but before I do that, is there anything we can measure this is a great question, Michael. That feeling of stress, we all know what that's like. And that is what we have used in so many studies that predicts, for example, getting more infected with a common cold, having worse responses to vaccinations. This is something anyone can measure easily. It has questions like how much this month have you felt overwhelmed by things you can't control? How much have you felt stressed, tense, worried, anxious. So all of those are easy to ask ourselves and assess. And it's important because we don't have to live with high daily stress. We 
there's so many things that we can control on a daily level. And there's so many things we can't control that we need to also be aware of that these things are stressing us out and that we need to stop and let go of trying to control things that we can. That's a big source of stress. So about measurement, what you really ask is a research question. How can we use things like voice tone and patterns of our autonomic nervous system arousal, speeding up of the heart rate, heart rate variability, sleep. So all of those metrics, is, um, there's a lot of good ongoing research trying to find stress signals in the body. But for the individual, we don't have to worry about those. I think the self-monitoring that you were pointing to is helpful. So asking ourselves, doing a mindful check-in, asking ourselves, you can start with how stressed do I feel right now? on a one through 10 scale, but then really we want to get under the hood and say, what emotions am I feeling right now? That's the data that's helpful. And that actually disengages or let's say reduces that stress response. The stress response responds to ambiguous threat, not to very specific pieces of data usually. So figuring out our emotional granularity, naming emotions. And there's another way, Michael, besides this perceived stress and that is our body. Our body really does keep the score. It really does accumulate stress. And so in any moment, it's wonderful to do a body check-in and ask, where am I holding tension in my body right now? And releasing it with some slow breathing. It's so basic and it works. I mean, this was top line advice we had to frontline medical workers. So this is in chapter one, you go through that, as I remember. Um, you'll have to correct me, but I think you do that. That's right, catch and release it, it, the uncertainty stress by naming it and by doing some different um, mindful exercises. And I think one of my favorites um, of all the chapters was chapter two which talked about um, the control what you can and put down the rest. Um, or as uh, one of my uh, co-authors on, on a recent book said, um, he, he went to a psychologist early when he took over a company and uh, was feeling very stressed. And the psychologist said to him, um, only worry about things you can control, everything else is baloney. And he said, but you don't endorse baloney. But, but anyway, um, control what you can and put down the rest is, is your chapter two. And um, the, the, the component of that in your um, practices is uh, what, I, what I like is delete what you can. That is hitting the delete button. Tell us about that. <laughs> it is so fundamental. And there's so many sayings that will, you know, always be in our culture, like the AA saying about, you know, give me the wisdom to discern the difference between what I can and can't control. So I, I will say there's a lot of situations we cannot control. And often they're about other people. We cannot help someone and change their behavior and make them more healthy. We can be there as a caring presence and, and give our support, but 
trying to control outcomes <laughs> is what we need to let go of. And I call, you know, I have several phrases to help remind us and people need to find what works for them. But one is drop the baggage. First, become aware of what you're carrying, the unconscious stress that you can often name and then let it go in this moment. Let it go. Realize that you can actually have ease right now. You know, there's a lot going on out there in the world. So your question about delete stress, I live, I, a lot of my stress is completely created by making a bad daily schedule and not giving myself time between things. So there's a rush. And I bet you have some days like that too. <laughs> and how can we possibly... <laughs> Every. <laughs> well, and so how can you expect to be able to have a really balanced, nervous system with good parasympathetic dominance if we're rushing through the day like that and even it's like a it's like a mode of being that even blocks us noticing beauty in front of us and connecting with other people more deeply and easily so i really think it's a wonderful experiment to try to change to slow down and how can we do that if it's too much on our to-do list or too much in our schedule back to back. So that's where delete stress comes in. Can we take a stress inventory, step back and really look at all the things that are weighing us down, anything we're worrying about, just an uncensored list, and then look at your day and your time use. And that's where we can get a few ahas. Even if they're small ones, they have a big impact on our body, crossing out maybe an unnecessary weekly meeting or building in time between things. If we can't delete some things, we can't breathe. We can't get a spacious day for this mind-body complex, which is just on high stress mode, unless we're really combating that. And um, of the things, uh, well, by the way, I should say we are talking with Alyssa Eppel, E-P-E-L, E-L-I-S-S-A-E-P-E-L.com, no punctuation is the way to get to her website, which has not only information about the book, but about other programs and um, speaking, etc. So you can find out a lot more on her website, alyssaapple.com. The book is The Stress Prescription, Seven Days to More Joy and Ease. She is a professor and vice chair of the department at, uh, of the Department of I think it is Psychiatry and Behavioral Health at UC San Francisco, um, and obviously a leading researcher as well as clinician in this area. The book is, has these wonderful practice tips or what I call action items at the end of every chapter. Um, the chapters are seven days, so it's not, and it's a it's a paperback book, a quick um it would be a quick read if you didn't do the practice, but the practice is so important. So maybe read through it once and then go back and read through it and do the practices um, day by day and keep doing them week after week. The book, like mine, will probably get tattered in two weeks. Um, but in any case, it's a great way um, to have seven days to more joy and ease. Uh, Alyssa, um, final words, like, I guess, what would, what would you say is, is if you could say 
what how people should really read this since I'm giving them how I read it, not how you you think it should be read. I absolutely love your advice, and I'm going to start saying that. I think we want an overview, and we can certainly look at the practices at the back of the book, but taking them seriously, spending a week on a practice, and experimenting what time of day works for me, does it affect how I feel at night and how I sleep, and really installing a habit of the practices that you choose after taking a, a brief landscape, an overview of them. Doing it with a friend is so helpful. We have accountability. We have support. Um, so I, I love the idea of not making it stressful, not being ambitious about, okay, I've got to use all seven tips and I've got to cover it in seven days. That will stress you out. I can tell you that. <laughs> Michael, you've been a pioneer in pushing our understanding of aging, true health, real age. And you've been both a thought leader as well as a hands-on clinician for so many people. Where does stress fall into your view of health? And how do you, what do you say in an interaction with someone when you see that it's been a causal problem? Well, it, stress is the greatest ager and the greatest cause of age-related diseases, heart disease, cancer, immune dysfunction, sleep problems, um, dementia. It is the greatest problem we have. Um, when I came to the Cleveland Clinic, it was the thing I wasn't allowed to tackle first uh, because it was said, we give stress, and we did. And then our CEO um, got religion and in fact, uh, we teach it as a major component for all our caregivers and uh, hopefully for a lot of our patients and have um, free processes uh, to help people um, manage it. But nothing is as good at managing it, I think, as this book is for people. So your book, Alyssa Apple, I think is a great advance um, and you may not think of it as much of an advance because you've been in the field so long and so well, but it's a substantial advance for most people who don't understand how important stress is and how through building habits over a seven day period repeatedly, they can learn to manage it and not have to suffer the aging and the consequence of aging related diseases that major stress would otherwise cause. Wow. Thank you so much, Michael. Couldn't be a better endorsement from you. I think I feel a little more purpose in my life now. This was my biggest hope that it really would help people in the moment on a daily basis. So thank you for being on. Caitlin, thank you for engineering. I should thank our sponsors. I think I forgot to mention them at the beginning. I was so excited to talk to Alyssa. Um, the sponsors are Life's First Naturals, the makers of both True Biotics and um, Bovine Colostrum, um, and uh, neither of which I think affects stress to a great degree. Maybe the uh, True Biotics does. And uh, of course, our own website, greatagereboot.com. Um, you can find more about Alyssa Apple at E-L-I-S-S-A-E-P-E-L dot -E -E com. 
um, where there's a lot more information than just about the book. But this book, it's a paperback book that's just exceptional. Thanks for doing this, Alyssa, and thank you, our listeners. Caitlin, thank you for engineering. We'll be back next week with another wonderful guest, and I no book can be better than this. So uh, I'm afraid we're starting off the year with the best book of the year. But in any case, uh, hopefully it won't be all downhill from here. Thanks very much for being on.